I am at my office. Praise God, I love my large screen. 4,500 miles, 27 days, looking at a 13-inch monitor. I'm back home, and I'm doing a podcast. Everything is set up, and it is so glorious. Home sweet home. You just can't do better than that. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. This is Life Over Coffee podcast. Glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, By the way, if you haven't written a review for our podcast, uh, please do that. Take the time to write a nice review and give us a five-star rating that will allow us to reach more people. And if you do appreciate what we're doing here through this ministry, the podcast specifically, Please take the time to write a review. It does help. It's 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 unbelievable. It it just it just does help. The algorithms love that, and we can reach more people with the more reviews and the good ratings that we have. So if you don't mind, uh, please do that. We did spend 27 days on the road, and uh, it was a great time. As I tell folks, our family we like each other, and so spending time on the road is not a chore. Actually, it's it's kind of a a joy to be honest with you. And we also got to meet some wonderful people. We spent most of our time out in Colorado. I'm not sure altogether how many times I I spoke, but it was quite a bit. And I talked to a number of people, I mean scores of people, literally scores of people at various churches and ministries that we were participating with while we were out there. And that's what I want to share with you in this podcast. I'm going to try uh, over the next while to respond to questions that people ask while on this trip and other questions that have rolled into our ministry because I want to stay on top of that and I want to answer what's important to you. And during one of our trips, we were in Monument, Colorado, and we had an excellent two-plus-hour meeting one evening with a group of folks, and uh, they had some outstanding questions. It was a it was a fun time, uh, it really was. I love Q and A, and it was a straight up Q and A meeting, no planning whatsoever. Uh, they came with the questions, and we interacted a good bit, and it was a wonderful time. But after the meeting, a person, a ministry leader, uh, made a direct line to me, and they had a question, and the question was, how do you respond to the church that accommodates trans people? And this individual is over children's ministry, and so they were asking a specific question about children's ministry and a trans boy, a boy who's pretending to be a girl, wants to be part of the church, and they had a meeting about this, and the church said that we want to accommodate this individual, we want to accommodate trans people, and so this ministry leader was asking me that question, how do you respond to a church that wants to accommodate trans people? This is a super relevant question. It's a question that's not going to go away, and you, me, we, we need to come to a place. We need to settle on this or how we are going to respond because the culture is quite aggressive about this matter. I think one of the reasons that the person was asking me the question is because it was a common theme throughout this trip. Now, probably because in Longmont, Colorado, I did a series of meetings there at Faith Point Church, 
this church was new to us. I was new to them. They were new to me. And uh, God did some really good things at that church. In fact, I just got a voicemail, or Lucia got a voicemail today from a couple in the church who is doing some discipleship evangelistic work uh, inside their family, and they wanted to report back and share with us how that is going because we had a lengthy conversation about some of the dynamics within their family, and we've been praying for them, and so they wanted to keep us apprised so that we can continue to pray. But the meeting at one of the meetings at Longmont, uh, Colorado, at Faith Point Church, uh, was on transgenderism. And then shortly after that meeting, I put together a one hour webinar on transgenderism, which is live on our website now, and you can watch it. In fact, it's also linked here in these show notes. By the way, this is episode 347. And the title of this episode is How to Respond When the Church Accommodates Trans People. And I want to share with you the six responses that I gave to that ministry leader. But my point to you right now is you have to settle on this issue. You need to think through it. I have several articles here inside of these show notes in addition to that one-hour webinar. And so I would just encourage you to, to sit down, take a week, take two weeks, work through all of these articles, watch that webinar, come to conclusions uh, and work with it. If you're married with your spouse and children, family, we need to, we need to be uh, not only apprised of what's going on in the culture, but we need to have these conversations. One of the beautiful things that I really appreciated about the meetings that I had were the number of elderly individuals who came to me and were asking trans trans questions think about this uh, one lady was 93 years old and and she says I'm interested in this there were several people in their 70s and 80s who were interested in this and the 93 year old lady I, I told her I said you know my respect for you is just going through the roof right now you you are still in the game you're still interested you still have concerns for uh, what is going on in your world. You haven't checked out. You haven't passed it along uh, to the 35-year-olds. You're very much uh, involved, and she is, and, and she had some sincere, genuine questions about the trans issue, and then, she, and then she followed up by saying that, I do miss my husband. He's been dead, I think, seven years he's been in heaven, but he's been in heaven for a number of years, and she said, I really want to uh, see my husband, and so she lives in that great tent of ready for heaven, but uh, she hasn't checked out yet. And there were a number of uh, these elderly uh, folks who were very much engaged, very interested, asking questions, and I was praising God for that. We need more of them. Uh, There's no time to check out until the Lord does uh, take us home. And so I do want to work through uh, these six responses that I gave to the ministry leader who was asking me the question about accommodating uh, trans people. 
But let me mention a couple other things. We're leaving uh, in the morning, on Friday morning, at uh, getting up at 4 o'clock. I think wheels, wheels are up at 5.30, maybe, yeah, 5.30. And we're heading to Ohio, and I have a series of meetings uh, starting Friday night through Sunday night. And they're all day Saturday, Saturday evening, all day Sunday, Sunday evening. And so, I, and I, I'm not sure how many they are, but they're in different demos. I'll be talking to elders. I'll be talking to marriage people. I'll be talking to uh, small group leaders. I'll be talking to a leadership team, discipleship team. I'll be talking to the church, of course, on Sunday morning at the church meeting. And, and so there will be a lot of different meetings in Ohio. And someone asked on our forums, they said, hey, um, how can we be apprised of you know w- where you're going? Well, the way to be apprised is to subscribe to our e-blast. You go to the bottom uh, of our website, and you'll see in the footer, it's on every page of the website, it says get the newest updates in your inbox. And then you can, it says sign up now, and you can sign up, just give your email and you're signed up and you're good to go and you can unsubscribe at any time. It's a free service. And by the way, we never, ever, ever, never share your email with anyone. We do not uh, do that. I mean, I even I have the habit that if I send out a BC, if I send out multiple emails to multiple recipients, say if I'm going to send an email out to our entire mastermind team, for example, I would send it in BCC, blind carbon copy. I don't even share emails to our mastermind students of other students. It's just a habit that I've had for decades now. And we don't share emails. We don't share your email. And so there's no concern there. But if you want to subscribe, that would be the best way uh, to be apprised. At the bottom of uh, this past Tuesday's e-blast, for example, uh, is uh, my speaking schedule, and, and that's how you will know. And then, of course, you can always write our ministry support at rickthomas.net, and we will tell you, we'll answer any questions that you have. By the way, if you want me to come speak to your group, whether that's live on site or through a Zoom meeting, uh, just please contact us and let us know. We would love to get together. I would love to get together with your group, either on-site or through a Zoom meeting. I just did a Zoom meeting in Europe uh, a couple of months ago, and it was wonderful. I mean, it was a wonderful event, and we, we, we would love to do that. And so let us know. Now, also, uh, there's more information that, that we provide, like on a weekly basis. Some of you are familiar with the direct messages that I put out to our supporting community. These are private video messages that I put out Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe to that link on the private forum. So if you are supporting us financially, you can subscribe to that particular uh, forum and you will get in your inbox Monday through Friday a video of it can be anywhere from three to seven minutes and it will be it, it, it's all kinds of things I mean we're it may be like today uh, the direct message was from the Lorraine Hotel uh, in Memphis Tennessee which is where Martin Luther King was assassinated and I've, I've done direct messages on top of Pikes Peak and other places as well. Most of them are from my office here, but when we're traveling, I'll do direct messages. And these are informative messages about different things pertaining to sanctification. So if you are supporting us financially, 
you can subscribe to that forum and you can get those video messages five days a week, Monday through Friday. This is excellent information. There's no other place in the world to receive this information. They are not podcasts. They're not videos on YouTube. They're not on Facebook, Instagram. They're nowhere uh, except in that one forum post. And the only place, or that one forum, and the only place that you can watch these videos is from the website. And so we have it set up in a private way. And it's one of the ways that we want to honor those who financially support us. And so you can get information about our meetings by subscribing to our eblast. You can also get some behind-the-scenes information in these video direct messages that I put out. So the ministry leader came to me after the meeting in Monument, Colorado, and they had the person had a question to me, and I'm being very careful not to communicate whether this person was a male or a female or the church that this person attends. That information is not important. I am, I'm flattening out here because I just want to get to the pertinent data. And so I said to this person how to respond when the church accommodates trans people. And here are the six things that I shared with this ministry leader not necessarily in this order, but as I recall them. Number one, what is the end game? And, and that, as I was telling them, like, where is this going? What, what, what is the point here? You see, you cannot, you cannot accommodate one trans kid, a person pretending to be another gender, which is what a transgender person is. They are not, it's not a biological issue. It's an emotional feeling, thinking issue, uh, not a, there's no trans gene. It's not a biological problem, as I talk about in the webinar. And so it, it is a person who is pretending. Now, we're all hypocrites. I mean, we all understand this to some degree. We all pretend to be uh, someone that we're not to some degree. Uh, we can be so guarded about our reputation that we're overly concerned about what people think about us, and so we put on a front. Uh, I call this my representative. It's the person who represents me because I don't like the real me. But in a more serious, and I'm not saying that hypocrisy is not serious or hypocrisy is not a sin. I'm just saying that we all can be, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, we all can be trans people to a degree. But within that framework of hypocrisy, there is a higher end of consequence. There's a higher end of severity to where the damages can be just astronomical. And that is when a person has gone so far in their mind that they are pretending to be another gender. This is like two plus two does not equal four anymore. And you can just make up any truth that you want. And that's what's happening with the transgender problem and so if a person is at the is in the mental state of believing or trying to believe or trying to get you to believe that they are not a male when they are a male but they're trying to get you to believe that they are a female then there's something mentally wrong with this person and if they continue to exchange the truth of God for a lie then follow the path of Romans 1 just follow the path of Romans 1 where a person chooses to exchange the truth of God for a lie and you can see that it goes to some very bad places and that's why I'm asking the question what is the end game I mean, it can seem almost 
innocent. It, it, it can seem like, well, it's just a, a five-year-old kid that's coming here who is confused. Well, this kid has influencers uh, in his life. Uh, maybe the parents, most definitely social media. Uh, the school is legislated now in uh, more than almost two dozen states to where uh, this is a real thing, and they're teaching it. They're, they're indoctrinating this into kids' minds. And so however they come to the place of believing this, this is what they believe, this is what they want to be, this is their solution for the shame and the guilt and and the fear and the frustration that they feel in their soul, they have been told that they are uh, not in the right body, therefore they are pretending to be something that they're not. What is the end game? For example, what are you going to do when this one kid turns into 25 trans people in 10 years? You see, to accommodate in the way that this ministry leader was sharing with me, uh, this is myopic. Uh, you're not seeing far off. You, you can only see what is in front of you. But once you set this precedent to where we want to accommodate uh, these children, and what I mean by accommodate, I am talking about uh, being okay with these kids being in the restrooms of a gender that they are not. That's what I mean by accommodate. I am not talking about that we should not evangelize them, that we should not care for them. I'm not saying that at all, but and, and maybe I should have said that in the beginning. When I'm talking about accommodations, I'm talking about you can be in our children's ministry. You can go to the restroom of your choice. That's what I'm talking about. And so you can do this with one kid and say, eh, it's just one kid. No, that's my epic. Ten years from now, you'd be the church, you'd be the trans, uh, trans Baptist church, and I don't know if it's a Baptist church or not, I'm just saying that, but you'd be the church of the trans people, and now you have 25, and then there are no restroom policies, and you can go into to anyone, and I'll be honest with you, if one of our daughters was five, six, seven years of age, and a guy came into the restroom, I would probably go ballistic. Uh, biblically ballistic uh, about that. I mean, there would be some huge issues uh, if a guy was using the restroom where one of our uh, daughters were, uh, that's just, it's a, in, in children's ministry, that's just a, that's just a horrible, uh, horrendous thing to set up that precedent. And so again, point number one, what is the end game? Point number two, what is your definition of a pastor? And this is what I ask the individual. And I asked them, I said, does your pastor shepherd the flock primarily, or is his job mostly about shepherding those who do not know the Lord? A pastor's job, and I, I like the word shepherd. I prefer the word shepherd. And that's, <clears throat> that's why I specifically, excuse me, sorry about that, got a bug in my throat. I specifically asked the ministry leader, I used the language of shepherd and flock, because a pastor is a shepherd. And when you, and again, pastor and shepherd are, are the same, they're synonyms, but yet there are subtleties that are different. When you think about a pastor, you, you, you think, you see something in your mind. But what I wanted the person to see in their mind was a shepherd, a good shepherd, a flock, a sheep, I want a, a sheep, a group, a, a flock of sheep. 
that's what I wanted them to see. And so I asked the individual, you know, is your pastor's job primarily to shepherd the flock or to shepherd those who do not know the Lord? Now, from a biblical perspective, yes, we should evangelize. We should always be evangelizing and telling the world about uh, Christ. We want to go into all the world, and we want to uh, lead as many as we can to Christ. But that's not where the accent mark is when it comes to being a shepherd. A shepherd's job is to shepherd the flock, not to try to shepherd the wolves, those who do not know the Lord primarily, which leads to the point number three. So point, uh, question number two is what is your definition of a pastor? Point number three, what if you change the name of the pastor to shepherd? And that is important. A shepherd cares for the sheep primarily, not the wolves. What if a shepherd like a real, legit shepherd in the Middle East, ask the sheep to accommodate a wolf in their midst. And one of the verses that I shared with this ministry leader was Psalm 23.5. In 23.5, you're familiar with the, with the sentence. It goes like this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The first part of that sentence is, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We're talking about a mesa here, a table, tabletop, up in a mountainous area, a flat area. And the shepherd leads the sheep in the summertime up to a mesa area uh, where the vegetation is rich and l- l- luscious and luxuriant. And you want to prepare that mesa area. You want to prepare that table. And you do that by pulling out the poisonous weeds and you get that table nice and ready and you lead the sheep onto that mesa, onto that tabletop. And you do this in the presence of your enemies. The wolves are around the perimeter. They're watching the shepherd doing shepherding things. And they're watching the shepherd bring the sheep out onto this area. That is a shepherd's job that we prepare the table every Sunday, not the communion table, though we can do that, but the table of God's word. And we want to feed the sheep. We want to take care of them. We want to disciple them. We want to grow them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And this is part of the church's responsibility. And we do that in the presence of our enemies. The world is watching, waiting, seeking to devour whomever they can Uh, But that is a shepherd's job. And so I asked the ministry leader, not just what is your definition of a pastor, is his job primarily uh, to shepherd the flock or uh, to shepherd those who don't know the Lord, but what if you change the name of your pastor to a shepherd and think about it in this context, and that raises some questions about what is going on in this church. Number three, what if you change the name of the pastor to shepherd? Number four, going with this theme, I also asked the ministry leader, who do you want to shepherd you? Now, this is a standard question that I ask anyone that's looking for a church. There are several things to think about when looking for a church, but this is one of them, and I call this the shepherding question. Who do you want to shepherd you? And a good way to think about that is that what if, all right, so I'll use me as an illustration, what if I were to die and I want to leave, leave an inheritance for my family, 
And part of that inheritance is for them to be in a good local assembly, a good local church to where they can be cared for for the rest of their lives without me. I am not here. That is a good way of thinking about the shepherding question. Suppose you were no longer leading. Suppose you were no longer primarily in charge of the spiritual guidance of your family because God took you to heaven. Then don't you want to leave your family in a good church that can shepherd them in your place? That's what I meant by question number four. Who do you want to shepherd you? And so do you want uh, this type of church Uh, that is okay with trans people going into restrooms that's not their gender? Do you want your family to grow up in this kind of church? Do you want your children growing up in this, and your grandchildren growing up in this kind of church? Point number four, who do you want to shepherd you? And then number five, what is the plan when a boy pretending to be a girl, or a girl pretending to be a boy, enters, in this case, boy pretending to be a girl, enters the girl's restroom and molests or rapes a girl? I asked this ministry leader, have you considered the burden the church could be placing on a raped child, a molested child? Have they ever done any sexual abuse counseling? Are they aware of the years that it takes a person to be made whole again after being raped or molested? And when I say whole, I say made whole again. I mean, I put that There's a caveat here. There's a footnote here because in some sense, you're never made whole again. You're living with the repercussion and the devastation of what happened to you. The church is putting these kids, these babies in harm's way. I mean, so a boy pretending to be a girl, do you think that boy has some problems? You think that boy is deceptive? You think that boy has some issues? Well, of course he does. And a boy who, who, however he got there, however he was mentored, tutored, trained, taught uh, to, to, to pretend to be something that he is not, and now you're going to put him in a restroom with girls? I mean, this is just crazy. And so have you considered the burden the church could be placing on a raped child? Have you considered the legal action against the church for creating a situation where folks can molest or rape children? Those are two critical points. The most important one is the raped child because there's nothing more devastating. I mean, legal action is serious, and it could decimate, and it, it, could, it, it could disappear the church. Honestly, legal action, but my concern, and I have a big concern for that, but I have even a greater concern for a raped or molested child that we would put our children in harm's way. Question number five, what is the plan when a boy pretending to be a girl enters the girl's restroom and molests or rapes a child? Number six, how are you guarding your heart and your tongue through this time? This is a big deal. So I I want to show I want to demonstrate a reasonable amount of grace because a lot of this has caught pastors and churches off guard. It's just like, boom, here we are. Like in the last few years, now this has been a problem. It's been spiking since 2010, 2011 with the building of social media platforms where these social evangelists have been doing their work of indoctrinating kids, primarily white girls, 10 
teen, white teen girls entering into high school is the primary demographic that these social evangelists are indoctrinating. And so this is new. I mean, this is less than 10 years old as far as the social contagion is concerned of transgenderism. And so I want to act with a reasonable amount of grace. And so we all, we want to be careful about how we interact with these leaders. Perhaps we can have conversations and we can talk about this. And so my question to the ministry leader, how are you guarding your heart and your tongue through this time? How are you helping those who come to you with their concerns? Because now, obviously, what's going to happen within the church is there will be church members and other people voicing their concerns, and they will start collecting together. And you could decimate the church. Uh, through divisiveness, disunity, gossip, slander, before you even got before you even got to a place of possibly coming to a reconciliation uh, where you're working through you have worked through the issues and maybe the church leader leaders realize that you know we need to think about this more deeply maybe we do not need to go this direction and so you want to be part of the solution you want to guard your heart not with not only with what you say. Uh, but you want to guard your heart for those who come to you. You don't want to perpetuate gossip and slander, and so you want to handle all this appropriately. This is episode 347. I'm answering a question that was asked to me while we were on our speaking tour. How do you respond when the church accommodates trans people, talking specifically about trans people entering into bathrooms of genders that that aren't their gender, and of course the other issues that go with that. And so I had six questions that I've worked through here. What is the end game? Don't be myopic. This will continue to grow. Number two, what is your definition of a pastor? Does he shepherd the flock or does he shepherd the wolves primarily? Number three, what if you change the name of pastor to a shepherd? How is he caring for the sheep, preparing the mesa in the presence of his enemies, of your enemies? Question number four, who do you want to shepherd you? I mean, is this a good shepherd that you want to leave your family with? Number five, what is the plan when a boy pretends to be a girl, enters a girl's restroom, and molests or rapes a child? That's a huge question. Number four, how are you guarding, number six rather, how are you guarding your heart and tongue through this? I would encourage you to watch my webinar on transgenderism. And also, if you would like for me to come and speak at your church, please uh, reach out to us and we'd love to make that happen. I have a lot of embedded links here inside these show notes. So please take some time, not just the webinar, but all the other resources as well. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.